Wow. Many thanks once again to uh, Carol Rojas for all of the beautiful artwork for this series and uh, that tremendous bumper. Well, here we are. We're back at it. Yeah. We can bring me down, way down. <laughs> I don't need all that on my channel. <clears throat> but yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So we're going to start with a question. We do this each week and we invite you to engage with us. Once again, the way you do that is through uh, a phone number, 720-878-3323, or just type it into the, uh, the chat window there uh, of your device where you're watching the live stream, okay? If you don't see a chat window, there should be a button over to the right in the margin of your device where you can click on that and the chat window will unfold. You'll need to enter a name. It's uh, arbitrary, make one up. We don't need to know who you are unless you want us to know. And uh, that way you can participate in this. Here's our question for this morning. We're gonna pop it up for you there on the screen. What defines your belief in God? How do you know you know him? That's not a typo. How do you know you know him? What defines your belief in God? We invite you to, to engage, as we call it. How are you this morning? What you, what you, is that a new piece of jewelry? or Yeah? yeah? yeah it's called My Husband's Had a Cold for the Last Two Weeks, and this morning I woke up with... Closer. Symptoms. Well, I'm a little nervous because now I'm going to take this microphone to other people. Oh, you know? we have ways. We have ways to clean it. Yeah, and I'm no. not supposed to stand any closer to no. you because we were buzzing. Oh, we were buzzing? We were buzzing. Well, that's something they control. You and I need to buzz. <laughs> She's going, what? You, you and I need to buzz. <laughs> okay. All right. So, send, send uh, good morning. Uh, oh, our beloved Alora, for all the way from uh, uh, Argentina, Argentina I is watching this morning, and maybe her whole household, I don't know. Um, Alora, have you been able to share the broadcast with anybody else? Do others watch with you? I'd be very interested in what, what your setting is there, uh, if you're able to tell us at some point or you feel comfortable. You don't have to. I was wondering, Alora, if it's Alora, perhaps. Ooh, I can't roll my he R's, can't though. Roll his you R's. need to know, if you want me to pronounce it that way, I'm sorry, I'm just... He's hopeless. Anyway, question, what defines your belief in God? That's a hard question. I can't think of an answer. How do you know you know him? Well, so we're, we're going to do something here because this green light is blinking. I think maybe, yeah, let's change it out. And then, because it seems like we're having some, yeah, audiovisual stuff. Okay, again, that question, what defines your belief in God? How do you know you know him? How do you know you know him? Anybody in here have some thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hold the microphone, sing as I don't want you to have to hold it after I've held it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think what defines my belief in God is just the fellowship with him. I mean, is mm. from my childhood. I remember there was a God in my whole <clears throat> life. I've always prayed and talked with him. And I know I know him because I feel his presence. I hear that small voice telling me, go this way, go that way, do this, oh. do that. Wow. Awesome. 
I love the since childhood. I, I, I uh, connect with that. Did you have something? Okay, I'm going to hold the microphone for you. I'm uh, the last part. How do I know that I know him? Yes. Is because he's healed me. He's touched me. He hears, he hears me, and I know he does. So wow. I know that I know him. Amen. How Amen. beautiful. Wonderful. Any, anything? Yes, no? Okay. <laughs> you? Okay. If you change your mind, just let me know. So, but, you know, what's really beautiful about both of these responses is they, they talked about their relationship. And I'm going to point out in a little bit something that they didn't do, which I'm, I'm just so thankful for. I, and I just, I love that response because that's where, I, personally, that's where I live. That's, it's, it's not all about it being experiential. There is faith. There is the Bible and the Word of God. But men, if you only know the Bible and the Word of God and it's just all academic for you and you don't have an experience where you talk to him and it's relational and you love him and there's an exchange of emotions and so forth, you're missing so much about what God desires to have with you in a personal relationship. And I just love both of those answers. I have a, another answer here. Um, I would not have made it this far without his grace that he'd bestowed over my life mm -hmm. and saving my life at age three. Wow. So mm -hmm. see, see, those things, you have to, I have to ask, this is why I find this question difficult, but I think you just answered it. So if I can't put the answer in a nice, neat box, if it's about what I feel and what I experience, isn't that faith involved in that? I don't know. I'm just questioning. I'm just questioning because of the question. I mean, I know I have a relationship with God, but in order to answer this question, great answers, but you know, people get feelings all the time. So is this, I, I'm not doubting your answers. Don't get me wrong. I'm just thinking this all through even. Yeah, not at all. So, um, so is that partially faith that when we have the sense of something that we believe it's God and not just our hormones or a good day or, I don't know, just thoughts. I mean, obviously I believe in God and I love Jesus and I have a relationship. <laughs> so I, I like the relationship. I think it's an interesting question. Yes. I think that we don't think about it too much. But again, the question is, what defines your belief in God? So here Fran says, He's there when I need him. He's brought me through hard times. I was thinking about that with one of the songs Carol just sang, and I was thinking about that whole concept of he's brought us, be brought us through before, he's going to bring us through again, which, of course, is belief and faith coupled with experience. So maybe it's about that Jesus is more about the life and the experience than it is the I can prove it in scripture. Hmm. So if you have to be able to point to a chapter and verse in the Bible, and since there weren't any Bibles before the 1500s, 
roughly. That's when, okay, and then the, Guten, print, the printing press, the Guten, Gutenberg printing press. Okay, everybody didn't have a Bible, so what did they do? How did they point to a chapter and verse to prove that they know God? All right, if if that's what you're basing knowing God on, uh, there's just so much about a relationship with him that you're going to be missing, and it's all going to be academic for you. Anybody else? Anybody watching? Anybody else in here? There's nobody else in the live stream yet as far as putting anything in. Yeah. Anybody else? I, I like the since childhood. I remember as a child laying in my bed and talking to God and knowing he heard me. Now, I don't know why I knew that. I mean, even though I was brought up in a church, it wasn't particularly the kind of church that taught you you should hear from God. It wasn't that. But, but they did, you know, so I have that. So to me, that's kind of like, wow, even back then when I didn't know much, I knew he was there, you know. Yeah. But what about you? Are you going to tell us all that answer when you... Minute? Do your, give your message this I, I think I'll give more of my answer during in your my, message. In, yeah, okay. I think so. Well, I think, I think we're done. I don't think I, uh, I'm not seeing any more answers here. And so. there are none in the, okay. the chat, so right. I'll let you take that. Right. Great. Well, thank you so much, everybody, that, that did uh, engage with us there. And again, for anybody just joining us, you're uh, joining the live stream service of Genesis Gathering. I'm Jeff Corson. It's great to have you with us. And this morning, we're going to continue in a series that we began several weeks ago called Future. This is part four, and I've entitled it, It Takes Faith to Doubt. Here's a quick summary of the three previous messages. The first message, we talked about having no regrets. All the things which have come before have led me to this place. Now I'm continual, continuing to move forward in God. The aim is our personal relationship with Jesus, not looking back. Second message, which Matt Whipple brought to us, the fear of being wrong. Uncertainty exists for Christians, period. We're trying to use the Bible as a guide for our life, but God didn't give us easy answers. He shares truth in a way that causes us to have to dig. He wants us to wrestle with our beliefs, with our values, and with our theology. I love that message so much. And then Matt brought us last week's message as well, entitled The Great Commission. Uh, in short, you know, Western, the Western evangelical notion of the Great Commission is convert everybody. Win them over to our way. You know, they got it. We got to get them saved. And Matt just brought us a, a, a beautiful message that I'll summarize this way. The Great Commission isn't to convince people they're wrong and to get them to change what they believe and join our club. It's to show love to every human to be the good news, believing that the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus. So let's look back at our text for this morning, as well as this series, and we find it in the book of Philippians. Chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 9, verse 10, and verse 13. Verse 13. 
and be found in him, not because I have my own righteousness derived from the law, but because I have a righteousness that comes by way of Christ's faithfulness, a righteousness from God that is in fact based on Christ's righteousness. Let's pause for just a minute there. I want to make a comment about what Paul says in this phrase, I have the righteousness that comes by way of Christ's faithfulness. You know what? That gives us, that, that creates room to doubt. It's okay to doubt because it's not your, right, it's not your righteousness that gives you right standing with God. It's his righteousness. And so whether you go through seasons of doubt or not, whether you doubt your faith, whether you doubt God exists, all of that, your righteousness doesn't have anything to do with what you do and who you are. It has everything to do with what Jesus did for you. So I find those words so beautiful and in them such depth of meaning, not only the statement that it is Christ's righteousness that makes me righteous, but there's, there's room there to doubt because I don't have to fear getting, getting off the beaten track. I don't have to fear what's going to happen to me if I make a mistake or if I go through a season of questioning where I'm not sure of my faith. It's okay. Let's pick up with verse 10. Paul says, my aim, my goal, my objective, my purpose. How about this? My life journey. My essence, how about this, my being, my, my, my sense of being alive is to know him, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, and to be like him in his death. Spend a minute with me. There are four things that Paul points out he spends time on when it comes to his aim, his journey, his objective, his daily awareness, our question, how do you know that you know God? Paul said this, he says, I know him, number one, here's my aim, here's my goal, here's my journey, here's my daily awareness, number one, to know him. Number two, to experience the power of his resurrection. One of you over here said, I know him because I've experienced his healing in my body. He's healed me and I know it and it's real. Okay. Number three, to share in his sufferings. Mm. Now that's more difficult. That's where a lot of us tend to unhook. All right. You mean I, I, I need to share in his suffering? To be like him in his death. Ooh, I really don't want to go there. Now, that's not talking about you dying prematurely or, or having issues with death in your body or being diseased or going through sickness. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the purpose that God demonstrated his cruciform love for us on the cross. And my best life is lived when I demonstrate my love for others by laying my life down. The cruciform love of God, Paul says. Verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have obtained this. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind 
and reaching out for the things that are ahead. Let me ask you a question. Why would you have to do this, forget those things that are behind, if there hadn't been any failures? If you never had any doubts, why would you have to forget those things that are behind? If you never made any poor choices, why would you have to forget those things that are behind? If you didn't have any bad relationships, why would you have to forget those things that are behind? <laughs> you see, in the very words of Paul, there's room to doubt, there's room to have bad relationships, make poor choices, there's room for failure, because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on Christ's righteousness. And here's what Paul said, because I know I'm righteous in Christ, I just forget my failures, my poor choices, the bad relationships. I am not defined by those things. I'm going to forget them and I'm going to move forward, he says. I think I brought it with me. Let me show you something. Sweetheart, would you run back there to my bag sitting right on this side of the table, on the floor there, and bring that up here for me? I want to show you something. I have an illustration, and I forgot to get it out of my bag. I, th I think I put it in here. Let me see. I did. I did. Probably the tone of the. Mm, mm. Oh. <laughs> now, no, this is not, hear me, this is not a vibrator. That's not what you would call this, all right? This is not called a vibrator. Vibrators just go back and forth, they just move back and forth. This, okay. This is a massager. This actually, and these are used professionally by uh, masseuses because it's an impact. It's, it's moving out and in, and it impacts your muscles. I have had, I have had physically and uh, medically an issue with sciatica. I, it's a very common thing. Lots of people have sciatica. And it can be a very de debilitating type of thing. I have been able to hold that thing in check, in fact, get complete relief from sciatica by working my muscles in my back, in my hip, in my glute, and down my legs with this massager. You know what I found in using this? 
that the trigger points for something that's on this side of the body might come from a muscle over here on this side of my body. On this side of my body, I'm not in pain. The muscle's not tight. I don't feel it. But I feel it over here on this side of my body. And I can, of course, use the massager and massage the muscles on that side of my body and my back, and it feels great. But I have found that there's trigger points in my glutes and in my back and my hip on this side of my body that when I use the massager properly over there, it actually brings me relief over here. You say, wow, so what? I don't have one of those. I don't need one of those. By the way, that just this is a Christmas gift. Please give it to yourself and to and to others. It, it it's it's incredible. Write me or email me, and I'll I'll tell you more about it because it's so important to your health to be able to use this in conjunction with anything other therapy that you that you might be using for relief of that kind of issue. Now, here's my point. Spiritually, it is the same. We target certain things in our life spiritually because we've been taught that's the issue. While the issue that we're having might come from something completely, quote, unrelated that we're not thinking about or that we haven't read the Bible regarding or that we haven't, an area we haven't been praying in. So why is that important? Because in the title of our message, it takes faith to doubt. I know you were wondering how I would even combine those terms. Well, you're looking at it. It takes faith to doubt. You've got to be willing to doubt to move forward in faith. Sometimes the muscle that needs to be massaged that will bring you relief on this side of your body, you actually find it over here. God does not get upset with you being curious, going through doubts, having issues with the veracity of the Bible, or whether or not it's inerrant. He just doesn't. Because his goal is, as we've read in our text, that you might know him. And how do you know that you know him, as we asked this morning? Brian McLaren uh, shared an idea in uh, uh, one of his books that goes like this. Where do you go when faith is forced out? Where do you go when faith is forced out. Western evangelicalism is very fond of, quote, my faith. My faith this, my faith that. I'm strong in faith. I'm weak in faith. You need more faith. If you would quote these scriptures, you'd have more faith. You just need more faith, and then you'd be able to... Let me share an idea with you here. There's actually three different expressions of faith in our message this morning that I want to bring to your attention. Number one, the fortress of faith 
And I call this, and Brian, I picked this up from Brian, the fortress of certainty. Are you certain in everything? Do you pride yourself in being certain about what the Bible says, being certain about how you get saved, being certain about this and about that? Are you certain about your faith in every way? So what happens when something in life questions or causes you to doubt your certainty? If your faith is based on being certain about God, certain about the Bible, certain it's inerrant, certain there's never a mistake, certain that if you just had enough faith, you'd be living to a certain level, you know, so you need to get rid of that doubt so that your faith is stronger. Are you certain about that? I used to be. Boy, everything for me existed in nice, neat little jars. I had to take all my circumstances and all of life and be sure that I had taken those things and squeezed them in to nice, neat little jars with labels on them that said, here's what you do in that circumstance. Confess this scripture, pray this way, go to this convention, be part of this Bible study, quote this verse, Oh, and it gave me great certainty. I was certain about my faith, certain about this, certain about that. Ooh, that's a difficult place for your faith to live because reality comes and knocks the feet, knocks the legs out from underneath the chair of certainty. So that's the fortress. Many, many evangelicals build their faith around the fortress of certainty. And then life happens. And for those who don't know what, what to do with doubt and uncertainty, most of them leave their faith, leave the church, stop serving or loving Jesus Christ, and give up. And I want to spare you from going down that road. I want to give you reason to have faith so that you can doubt. Secondly, faith is a person. You all have heroes that you've believed in, don't you? Faith heroes, right? I don't know, depending on your age, who might be a faith hero for you? Some of you might think of Billy Graham as a person of faith that's a hero for you. How about Mother Teresa? How about, I don't know, gosh, it, I'm having difficulty choosing somebody, Joel Osteen, uh, you know? Who, who's a figure of faith that you look up to and, oh man, that, that, I'd love to be that person. I'd love to have that kind of faith, really? I've had lots of heroes of faith, strong, great preachers, able to quote the Bible. They drove nice cars, had a nice house. They just seemed to have everything together. And in almost every situation, and with all, almost without exception, Every one of my heroes of faith, because I had invested so much in believing in that person and, and seeing them as the way, the, 
I, I mean, that's my mentor. That's how I should know God. That's how I should follow God. I mean, that's, man, if you do it the way they do it, that's God. I have been terribly let down because almost without exception, every one of those men, primarily men, many of them have been women, have fallen. They've had difficulties. Some of them have stopped serving the Lord altogether. Many of them have had sexual this or that go on. Financial. Had huge churches, but now churches of a couple hundred or less or no church at all and are selling cars. Almost every hero that I have had over 40 years. Now, I'm not telling you to not have heroes. I'm telling you don't put your faith in a hero Here's the third area, faith as a doorway. Now, I like this one a lot better. Faith as a road, faith as a doorway. In other words, you have permission to doubt. In fact, doubt or deconstruction, being suspicious, is a doorway into discovery and insight. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, listen to this. Paul says, in fact... I have come to the conclusion that every association I have had with that which defined me before when I was a devout Jew is by far eclipsed by what I have gained in knowing the Messiah. Now, he says this, I used to have lots of heroes. I, I used to define my life as a fortress. I knew the law backwards and forwards. I could quote scripture backwards and forwards. I even w hunted Christians at one point in order to bring people back to the place where they would acknowledge that the law is good and we should only believe in Moses and that we need to obey the tenets of the Ten Commandments and this and that, this and that. He prided himself in being a Jewish Pharisee, a Pharisee among Pharisees, Paul said, regarding his, quote, faith. And then it all got torn down when he had a personal encounter. He had a personal encounter with Jesus. And his fortress of faith and his heroes of faith came tumbling down. And all of a sudden now, what used to define him and define his faith was no more. And he said, you know what? All of that has been far eclipsed by what I have gained in knowing Jesus. Jesus Christ and his masterful redemption now define me. Let me ask you again, what defines your faith? What defines your belief in God how do you know you know him? Is it because you're certain the Bible says things a certain way? Is it because you're certain theologically that the Bible teaches certain things? Is, is that what it's been? 
Is it because you know certain people and you've watched them on television or read their books or whatever, you've gone to their meetings and you see all of this happening and it's glorious and it's powerful and it's, it's celebrity and wow, that's God and clearly God's blessing, God's hand is upon them because look at what is happening and that couldn't be happening unless God's favor was upon them. Really, fortresses of faith heroes of faith without you personally having an intimacy with Jesus yourself. And Paul says, that intimacy now for me, he says, far eclipses everything that used to define me. He continues, religion is like dog poo and it stinks Avoid stepping in it. (laughs) Yes, sir. Isn't that good? It's like dog poo. I'll tell you what. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus that's transformational, that draws you each and every day to want to talk with him and walk with him and love him and discover him and go through doubts and go through seasons where you question knowing that that, that's not going to take you off the path, that's not going to mean God's going to let you go, or that you have less faith, or that you don't have enough faith to enjoy the kind of life that you want to live or have the relationship with God that you want to have. It doesn't mean any of that. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It takes faith to doubt. Let's bring this home here. Denial versus reality. I told you in my first message in this series that I was going to address that. Denial versus reality. I think what a lot of us are doing is we are in denial. We think we're living in a realistic uh, relationship of faith, but we're really living in denial. Okay? What does the language of denial look like? Well, absolutism, certainty, inerrancy, We live continuously in the victory. I'm around people. Uh, I used to enjoy this. I used to preach this. This was my way. Do you have the victory? If you're not in the victory, you need to get in the victory. And there's certain things you do to get in the victory. I'm growing. I'm achieving. I'm gaining favor. Stars of certainty. Accumulating promises of how to walk in the blessing. Being on the right team, the right doctrine, the right values. Systematic theology that assures me that I'm right and you're wrong. Promises of health and well-being. Promises of personal wealth. If you follow these scriptures, declare these words. How to receive absolute answers to prayer. Three easy steps to marital bliss. Five certain cures for depression. Seven proven keys to biblical prosperity. That was my language. And I was in denial. Let me share with you the language of reality. Because I think that the language of true faith and that the language of doubt can live together. It goes something like this. I don't know. I'm still seeking. I'm not sure. I'm still looking. I'm still seeking. I know this. 
Jesus loves me. I know this, I love him. And my righteousness is not of something I've done or earned or deserve. My righteousness is of him. He is my righteousness. Oh, and by the way, it's not my faithfulness to Christ. It is his faithfulness to me. So the language of doubt goes something like this. Descent, loss, falling away, deconstruction, slipping, losing faith. Brian McLaren said this, I quote, A faith crisis is often required to force us out of the stage of simplicity, certainty, and theological absolutism. I like that. And you know what? That brings us now to faith as a doorway. I no longer see faith as a fortress. I don't see faith as a a group of heroes I'm following. I see faith as a doorway, a journey, an ongoing learning and growing where I admit I have doubts. I'm going through some deconstruction. I've fallen away from that particular thing. I've experienced some loss. I've descended. And you know what? Here's what this faith as a doorway looks like. Honesty, humility, openness, curiosity, scholarship, commitment to understanding the truth. How about this? Faith expressing itself in mercy, compassion, and love. You know, it's interesting that when the legalists of Jesus' day would try to catch him in a trap by using the Bible, he would pull out something like he said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. You need to go back, he said in verse 13, and you need to understand and realize, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. I'm not interested in what you do, what you give up, what you sacrifice for me. I'm interested in compassion. Denise Locke said this, and I quote, Jesus longs for us to move beyond the idea of sacrifice, what we feel obligated to give up to be perceived as religious. He wants us to get our hearts involved, tangled with other people's lives. So the word sacrifice drops out of our vocabulary so that we know, or what we know, is the passion to loving others as he loves us. Ooh, Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. Now notice the complete absence of what most Western evangelicals would put into this. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And here's what the Lord requires. To act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly. No cars, no big property, no big church. That's that's not a mark, that's not a hallmark. If you have one, great, it's just not a hallmark of your spirituality. Not being able to quote the Bible backwards and forwards. None of those things are hallmark. what, What fortress are we living in? 
He says, like Paul, I, I have set all of that aside, aside, and it's the knowledge of Christ. It's knowing him that has eclipsed everything I used to think in my religion was precious. All right, I'm going to put something on the screen here. If you, if you take nothing with you, please, maybe with your camera on your smartphone, take a shot. If faith is not a fortress and doubt is a doorway, then curiosity and humility are the way forward and love is the wind that moves this along. Christ is much more concerned with how I love other humans well than he is the car I drive or the right beliefs I have or as Matt taught us last week in message number three, the overwhelming concern that I need to convert you to my way, to my religion, get you on my team. <laughs> I was, we were, were fond of watching these uh, reality contest shows, American Idol, uh, Voice, So I'm watching, Nina and I are sitting on the couch, and one of the judges, they've just, one of the, one of the contestants has just finished, and Lionel Richie is one of the three judges, and he says this to the contestant, watch this, quote, what's so special about this journey is watching you turn into yourself. Lionel Richie has spoken a gospel truth. Jesus is so crazy in love with you, y'all. Jesus, Jesus is so crazy in love with you. And there's nothing you can do to change his mind about you. No works of righteousness, no correct believing, no staying out of doubt. You know, for me, my shift, my deconstruction, de deconstruction my, my ability to let go of the fortress of certainty and allow doubt to actually move me into that next place in God, I want you, I, I need everybody's attention. What, 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 what happened for me personally was I needed to hear differently. I needed to hear differently. I, I didn't have the right ears. I want to show you something. Could we please? <laughs>
hard you can be emotional like your mama. Yeah. You were just me. Yeah. He's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, you can hear. You can hear, huh? You can hear us, huh? You can hear us. Good job. Audrey. I'm going to invite you to put new spiritual ears on. I'm going to invite you to stop listening to those who say that the fortress of certainty is absolute, that victory is what you're after, that if you really had enough faith, you wouldn't be fill in the blank, doubting that, doing that, being that way. You'd have that home paid for. You'd be in a nice car. If you just had more faith, do you see how those little babies before were frustrated and torn up inside and they couldn't, and then they started hearing their name. They started hearing their name and it just transformed them. Do you know Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger's they will not follow. We're going to receive communion and during this communion, I'm, I'm going to just ask God and believe with you that God will change the way that you're hearing and that from this point forward, you will understand it actually takes faith to doubt. Get your elements prepared there at home now. We're going to pass them out here in the service. We're going to have a little bit of music for you. And uh, and of course, we are going to be praying. <laughs>